0: This is AP Cardiology, and this is your host, Andrew Perry. Hey everyone, Andrew here. We had a fantastic grand round speaker, Christy Ballantyne, who spoke about cardiovascular disease prevention. Dr. Ballantyne is the Chief of Cardiology and Cardiovascular Research at Baylor College of Medicine. He has been on a number of important papers regarding prevention, such as the recently published REDUCE-IT trial, showing the benefit of omega-3 fatty acids. There were a lot of interesting points that he made during his talk, and I wanted to pass along some of those to you all. I did get a chance to interview him, but my recording only picks up the last couple of minutes, and that may be the motivation I need to upgrade my recording equipment. Either way, I'll summarize a few of his main points, and have a couple of clips here at the end. First, if you run your primary care clinic like I run my resident clinic, you will use the ASCBD risk score from the ACC AHA to estimate cardiovascular risk in your patients. This is also called the pooled cohort equation. Per the lipid guidelines in 2013, you then prescribe statins based on your patient's calculated 10-year risk score. Dr. Ballantyne pointed out a couple of shortcomings of this risk score and the previously used Framingham risk score. First, they underestimate the patient's actual risk. How is that? Well, the pool-cohort equation, the one I use the most, is used to predict the outcomes of myocardial infarction and stroke, and that's it. These people are also at risk for revascularization, such as bypass surgery and heart failure. Dr. Ballantyne argues that the outcome of undergoing bypass surgery is an important outcome and is completely ignored in these equations. And if you look back to the Framingham risk score, the outcome that that uses to predict Is only myocardial infarction. So, additionally, what about the outcome of heart failure? This is an outcome that's also not predicted in either of these equations. Heart failure with preserved ejection fraction is an increasingly common condition amongst our aging population, and it may be prevented by aggressive blood pressure control. Your ASCVD risk score or pool cohort equation risk score isn't going to guide you in that decision. So, overall, these risk score calculators actually underestimate the patient's actual risk. Second, there's an issue with compliance. Trying to convince your patients to adhere to a good diet, exercise, and take medications can seem to require an Herculean effort. Part of the reason for this, Dr. Ballantyne suggests, is that the data is not presented in a motivating fashion to patients. So back to the risk scores. We might counsel our patients about their 10-year risk score and not about their lifetime risk. When you think about those risk scores, the ASCVD risk score, the one that I use, it reports both a 10-year and a lifetime risk, and frequently my attention has always focused on the 10-year risk score, because that's what the guidelines then dictates for statin management afterwards. So perhaps we also talk to our patients in the terms of the number needed to treat, and not in the relative risk reductions for taking, pa- for taking their medications. I asked him for his advice in making this information and this counseling more personal to our patients. And he said this,
1: but it is very much a joint plan. But the person doing the work is is the patient. We're helping give guidance, but they are really the ones making the decision as to: Are you going to make these changes in your lifestyle? Are you going to take the medications? And simple things, using a pill box, uh, you know, uh, setting goals for exercise and diet are really important for implementation in primary care.
0: Lastly. Dr Valentine spoke a bit about how to further personalize and individualize a patient's risk score. There are some newer methods out there being used such as cardiac CT, proBNP, troponins and genetic testings in order to further risk stratify patients. I asked him how he might suggest using those tools in the primary care setting. So there's
1: there's there is more one thing's always important is uh, look at the lifetime risk and also look at the family histories. So they talked about some in the new guidelines some uh, risk-enhancing factors or something, basically. So if there's a bad family history, you might want to check out lipoprotein delay
0: because okay. it's
1: hereditary. Uh, someone's a little overweight, an HSCRP, or they have insulin resistance because that's a marker of inflammation, frequently elevated when people are heavier, not great lifestyles. Uh, bad family history. Once again, you're worried – a calcium score for a man over 40 or women over 50, very powerful prognostic information, and usually they're quite inexpensive to get. And then in the person who is getting, particularly if we're getting older, and they're reluctant to take hypertensive medications, or they're reluctant to really aggressively treat their blood pressure, individuals with diabetes, out of shape, those short of breath, I think the BNP NT pro BNP is a very reasonable test to get and the other one ends up being a troponin to your eye with an eye sensitivity assays because those people may be at higher risk for developing heart failure. And if a test is abnormal, then we can do an imaging test like an echo. I hope you found that useful. Dr.
0: Ballantyne's talk piqued my interest in this topic and raised a few questions that I think will be useful to explore in a future episode. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for listening to this episode of AP Cardiology. This series is co-sponsored by MedPage Today and by the Division of Medical Education at Washington University in St. Louis School of Medicine. Much thanks to the band Broke for Free, who song Night Owl on their album Directionless EP, I've Used for My Theme Music. It is used under a Creative Commons license, Attribution 3.0.